0: This is Terror House Radio with Matt Forney and Brighton Proctor. Yeah, welcome to a Terror House Radio episode number one. I'm Matt Forney, your charming, the gracious host, I'm the founder and editor in chief of Terror House Press. My usual co-host and producer, Brighton Proctor, will not be joining us this episode. Uh, there is currently an active shooter at his place of work. He is currently hiding in a uh, closet. Okay, that was that was a bit dark. But uh, I apologize for that. But he couldn't make it. Uh, and we're doing two episodes this week. You get a bonus. We're working He's hard. He's probably the active shooter. Ooh. <laughs> um, But anyway, uh, we're doing two shows this episode because I won't be available uh, next week. Um, I'm going into an isolation tank. I've decided I've had enough of this cruel, cruel world, and I'm driving up to Monterey. And I'm completely dropping off the face of the earth for a little bit. So see you guys. Um, but the, uh, my co-host for this program is Matthew Pegas. He is the author of Dragon Day. You can check out his sub stack and other stuff in the Twitter. And we had him on last month, so most of you probably already not know who, who he is. Uh, how you doing, Matthew? Doing good. Good to be back on. Yes, yes. Uh, and by the way, I'm Matt, and he's Matthew for the purposes of the show. It's the Matt-Matthew distinction. It's like the friend-enemy distinction. But uh, not as uh, not as important. And our guest is the esteemed Andy Nawicki. He is the author of many, many great works of fiction, including The Columbine Pilgrim, Heart Killer, Under the Nile, and his very first new work of fiction, new novel, novella in seven years, The Insurrectionist, which will be out one week from today via Terror House Press. Andy, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you uh, for having me back. It's always good to be uh, to be back. And I'm glad to have a different name from the two of you, from the, the other two of you, so as to be able to distinguish myself more uh, more readily. So let's. We,
0: we've we've, we've we actually made that joke with Matt Lawrence,
1: another um, our art director yeah, and another Matt
0: who's involved with the.
1: Hell of a lot uh, of Matt. And yeah, the, your illustrator. Yeah, there's the a hell of a lot of Matt's in your operation. I'll be right back, changing
0: our name to A Fistful of Matt's Press. Um, But anyway, um, if you have any questions, you in the audience, for myself, Andy, or Matthew, uh, or just comments, uh, you can send them to streamlabs.com slash magazine, and we will answer them later in the show. But uh, let's just get right into it, Andy. Uh, What is The the Insurrectionist? Um, Just kind of give us the uh, overview of what this novel is about. Um, and it's, uh, and why people should go out and buy it and buy two copies and three copies and tell their friends and their enemies and people they're indifferent about.
1: Yes, absolutely. The insurrectionist is something that I wrote in response essentially to 2020. Um, I guess we all kind of, uh, you know, uh, for better or for worse, the, the goings-on of uh, the previous year and to a, to a lesser extent the, the current year you know uh, left an indelible mark on on uh, the psyche of many of us and myself certainly included and I began seeing you know the the uh, the dystopic reality of things you know I in I mean, I had I'd, I'd been aware of them for, uh, of those things for a while now. So it's not like this is the first time uh, they ever came to my attention. But uh, I think the previous year and, you know, even into this year, uh, the, 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 all, all of the developments in the world uh, amongst uh, our would-be rulers um, and so forth really grabbed my attention in a way that I, I could not could not ignore, could not shake and made me profoundly pissed off. Um, And so the way to deal with that is, you know, you can, there are unhealthy, there are healthy and unhealthy ways to deal with anger. Anger is a, you know, is sometimes a perfectly uh, appropriate response uh, to injustice. Well, it is always a perfectly appropriate response to injustice, but, but uh, you know, you can, it, it can eat you alive or, Uh, you know, make you do things you shouldn't do, or it can drive you to, uh, to, um, artistic perfection, (laughs) which is what I would like, what I would modestly call uh, my new book, uh, the insurrectionist. Um, um, it's the first thing, as you say, it's the first thing I've written, the first long, longer work of fiction that I've written, uh, in seven years, I have written a couple of, uh, shorter works, uh, lately, one of which, uh, is, uh, published at, uh, terror house on the terror house, uh, operation website. trigger man. Uh, yes. I'll post the
0: link in the chat.
1: Thank you. Yes. Operation trigger man. And I more recently wrote death by dream girl, uh, which is uh, something I self published, but I, I hope to, I kind of hope to have a, a short story collection, uh, out sometime in the next year or so if, if, uh, if the fates allow, but, um, but the insurrectionist was the first major work that I undertook. I mean, and it's the first thing that, first time that I felt inspired uh, to return to fiction. Really, since um, I can I, I don't know what the the, the last uh, fiction work that I i i did uh, that I published. Maybe it was. Um,
0: I believe it was this malignant mirage.
1: Yeah, the this malignant mirage, uh, which yes, which was uh, a work of uh, you know a collection um, that I published in like 2015 or so. Um, and by the way, then, we
0: will be preprint. We will be bringing uh, this malignant mirage back into print terror house press will. So look for that in the, uh, in the near future.
1: Yes. And um, what I, what, what, what I'm excited about with regard to the insurrectionist is I believe, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about, I mean, I'm, I'm all of my work excites me. Otherwise I wouldn't write it. Otherwise I wouldn't publish it, you know, seek to publish it. Otherwise I wouldn't want others to read it. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of cocky enough to think, well, that everything I've written is worth reading, but this, uh, this, this new work, the insurrectionist, I think really has a chance to reach a larger audience. I don't know whether it will succeed at doing that or not. And, if it does, if it does not, I, I won't consider it a failure uh, in any regard. But I, I have high hopes that uh, given the current state of things, and given the 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 fact that the masks are off, I, and that's a I, that's a uh, ironic uh, metaphor to use, uh, you know, given uh, the the virus, the the contrived virus crisis of the last year and a half. Um, but I think more and more people are seeing uh, what T.S. Eliot calls the skull behind the skin, the skull beneath the skin uh, when it comes to our r- ruling class and their ways. Uh, I think most people are, or I won't, I should, shouldn't, shouldn't say most people, but a, a huge number of people, a large minority uh, are pretty much aware that the last presidential election was a joke, uh, that it was, you know, an embarrassment worthy of a banana republic, uh, and um, and I, you know, everything else that, that that's been going on, all the all the other, you know, lies that that we've that have been broadcast to us daily, um, just have have left their indelible mark upon me. And so, the inspiration for uh, for the insurrectionist was. Well, what if what what if the current state of things endures, you know, for and gets worse for like a few more years? Let's say five years, seven years down the line, um, and then on top of everything else, on top of on top of all of the uh, the uh, all of the uh, uh, psychological operations that they that they've been running. On us uh, relentlessly, um, you know, for the last year or so, last couple of years. Uh, what if they add unto that uh, an alien invasion, and it just so happens that right now the uh, the powers that be, the, res- the so-called respectable media, uh, and various authorities in uh, in the Pentagon and elsewhere uh, are uh, are now promoting this idea suddenly it's it's been this major reversal of of uh of things because you know up until a few months ago you know the respectable quote-unquote respectable media and uh the the quote-unquote respectable uh representatives of the government and of the powers that be and and you know the, the the Corporate media and and so forth would never have given any oxygen to any story of uh, aliens or UFOs. It was all just sort of seen as crazy stuff, you know, out there tinfoil hat uh, uh, kind of kind of stuff. But but uh, over the last few months, uh, maybe some people out there are aware of this. I don't know. Uh, it's probably it's probably slipped some people's attention. But I've been aware very aware but suddenly they're they're talking about it on places like 60 minutes and CNN and uh, you know uh, Washington Post New York Times suddenly they're saying look there's there's all these sightings of of strange aircraft or or, you know these these crafts that 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 were uh, there you know there's there's photographs and there's video footage of, cra- of these crafts doing these, these uh, incredible maneuvers that are way beyond anything that, uh, you know, any human technology uh, could could uh, explain. And, uh, and so they're really promoting this idea of an alien threat. And this has really, um, uh, uh, you know, come to the forefront lately. And it just so happens that in my book, The Insurrectionist, there is an alleged, well, there, there, there is uh, an event which, uh, which is essentially a, an alien attack or it's construed that way. There is an attack from, uh, from somewhere and it wipes out several major cities across the, <clears throat> across the earth uh, and kills uh, around a billion people. So there's this huge catastrophe and it's said to have originated from uh, from aliens that that uh, the people called sky devils, but uh, the established authorities and the the, new, the newly minted globalist government, uh, they call them the overlords.
0: Nothing yeah. ominous about that. Right,
1: right. And so, you know, I really found, you know, and, and I know I was – for over the last couple of months, Matt—I'm talking to Matt right now, not Matthew. Matt—I uh, uh, I was bugging you with emails where I was saying, "Look at this! Look at that!" I mean, there's all these—there are all these uh, places where this this alien op is suddenly—you know—since the virus op is kind of running out of steam right now, and uh, you know, uh, it's it's uh, it's maybe on to the next thing, and uh, maybe the next thing is this alien op. And, and it seems so strange. It seems so surreal and so out there that they would uh, promote this kind of thing, but it's actually not without precedent. Um, and uh, people who know about operation blue beam, people who know that uh, president Ronald Reagan gave a speech to the UN back in the eighties where he said something like, you know, he wondered if in the event of an alien invasion, if the, if uh, all the countries of the world would be able to unite uh, and uh and you know respond properly there was the whole uh, war of the worlds uh thing you know the hg wells radio uh, event back in the 30s which you know i think was designed i mean it's it was it's talked about now as being you know just a, just a, an incredible uh, um you know rendering of a artistic uh you know this radio play that seems so realistic that a bunch of you know stupid bumpkins out there actually believed it but i think i happen to think it was uh, meant to be a psyop it was meant to rattle people meant to you know sort of make people think in terms of uh you know al- you know an alien threat so there, there's lots of precedent for it um and so the question is why would they why would they be bringing it up now right you know what's going on and i think it's a it's a worthwhile question to ask. And it happens to be what, what happens, you know, what takes place. Uh, it's the, um, the seminal event in my book, uh, is that's set in the near future, that there's this apparent, uh, alien attack on several major, uh, uh, cities across the world. And that's what sort of gets the ball rolling with the, with the story and with, the, the, the main character, the, the, uh, the man who starts out as this, this downtrodden figure and, and becomes uh, essentially a hero. I think this is the first time I, uh, I know I'm being long winded in my answer, but I I, th- I should also add that this is like maybe the first time uh, those who've read who are familiar with my fiction, I, I, I usually operate from the perspective of, you know, the anti-hero, the, the sort of Dostoyevsky and underground man uh, type. Uh, and I think this is the first time where I, I actually have a bona fide hero where where my main character is is uh, you know really you know he's a, he starts out uh, certainly in a troubled state of mind, but then uh, through uh, a certain uh, you know series of events becomes becomes a hero um, and, uh, and I, so it's it's sort of strange just the 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 things that, uh, you know, external events, uh, can have these kinds of, uh, influence on one's writing. I'm sure that Matthew, uh, I'm talking to Matthew now, the other, the other, uh, other of my interlocutors here as a, as a fellow writer could can attest. Um, but, sure. uh, yes. So, so that's, that's essentially, that's my long winded answer to why, uh, why I ended up writing The Insurrectionist and why I'm really excited to be publishing it with Terror House Books. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, that's, all, that's all fascinating. Um, I've, I've got some follow-up questions, obviously, but uh, for the purposes of YouTube's Terms of Service, I have a prepared statement I must read. I, I wrote it <laughs> down. That's how important this is. Uh, <clears throat> Terror House Press does not endorse conspiracy theories. We believe that Joseph R. Biden Jr. is the duly elected president of the United States, and that the election was free, fair, and transparent. The Terra House also respects science and does not countenance any 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 statements to the contrary. End statement. And, well, and- Matt,
2: going off that, I wanted to sort of add as maybe a, a caveat to, to that or, or my own version of that statement. Uh, I was just going to say when I was listening, I just finished the insurrectionist last night. And in listening to Andy talk about it now, it really occurred to me that regardless of what one thinks about uh, COVID and, and the election and whether or not um, one thinks that there's conspiracy theories surrounding these things, um, the the real uh, phenomenon that kind of animates the story is um, that I think COVID is really the first truly global event in the sense that when it happened the powers that be could sort of um monitor uh the the global reaction in a way where uh you could almost look at as a test run now whether or not there's actually a grand design behind it nevertheless we can look at the past year uh and say that uh it's been an experiment in seeing how the world can react uh, to, to a narrative, so to speak.
1: Does that make sense? Yes, makes sense to me.
2: Yeah, like regardless of, of the degree of conspiracy one may, may or may not think is there, um, it's this interesting global moment where it's like, okay, so if we tell everyone to do this, they'll do that. And then we tell them to do another thing and how many people do it. Um, regardless of if there's a grand design behind it, uh, it's definitely an unprecedented level of sort of testing the waters, so to speak. And could the question isn't, you know, is that being used to nefarious end? It's more, could it be? Could it be used to nefarious end? Um, yeah. The creation of a, of, a, of a global narrative, and in your case, uh, it's this, you know, potential or, or ostensible alien invasion. You right. um, know, I was also interested in what you said about the H.G. Wells experiment, which, yes, is kind of presented as this famous prank, um, at, you know, right. at a sort of artistic event. But, you know, is it not useful to see it? Might, might it not be useful for some powers that be to see that such a fake out could actually be used?
1: Right. It, it's definitely useful in the se- useful, quote unquote, in the sense of, I mean, even, I mean, even people like us who who i mean i, I can speak for myself anyway who have have no uh no authority uh, whatsoever um you know um and i think I can, I can speak for for the two of you probably as well uh no connection to uh to any alphabet agencies or, or anybody anything like that what but it's it's can uh, speak
0: for yourself this entire transcript <laughs> is being <laughs> forwarded to the fbi as we speak <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm
1: kidding. (laughs) But in any case, you know, it is definitely, you know, you, if you just take a detached perspective on it, it is really interesting to see, to, to see how people react, you know, when they're, when they're, you know, when they're presented with something, the the phenomenon of cognitive dissonance, for example, you know, IE this is a virus. If you, if you, believe that it's real uh even the official sources will say this is not that you know this is not a deadly virus this is more uh this is less virulent this is less deadly than most seasonal flus nevertheless we have to close down the world we have to you know make sure we we have to close down businesses we have to uh, we have to tell everybody to wear masks, even though we told them before that masks don't work against virus, you know, the, vi- the, the uh, passing of a virus because, or, or the, you know, the wearing of cloth masks anyway, has no effect whatsoever that CBD even said on the boxes, you know, that they gave out that, uh, that the boxes were not uh, effective against uh, COVID-19, but still nevertheless, uh, you know, even though this is this is a uh, this is still a, a global pandemic that threatens everybody, and we're all going to die from it unless we unless we do exactly what we're told. Um, you know, so it's like on the one hand, the offic- even from the official sources, you know, even if we cede to the CDC and and whoever else, uh, you know, whatever else official source claims, uh, you know, even even they admit. Uh, this if you if you read between the lines this is not this is not uh something that's going to take out the population uh you know a huge swaths of the population but they still find uh reasons to um you know to generate fear and to and more importantly uh you know take away people's uh god what i believe to be god-given freedoms um and promote this this entire, uh, this entire lockdown op, which I, uh, you know, I, I, I wrote a series of uh, essays that I never actually ended up publishing as a, you know, in, in print form, but, but I, I uh, wrote, uh, there's something that I wrote uh, under, under the name The Lockdown is a psy op, which is, you can find by typing in my name and, and typing in that, that uh, hmm. words. And it was, you know, it was a series of essays that I published and published last year, um, just about all the internal contradictions and all of the things that were just uh, that made absolutely no sense, and and, uh, and all of the ridiculousness of it, the the zaniness of it, the the the, um, the just uh, the the far, farcical uh, nature. You know, it's 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 something that could be called a, a a, a farce or uh could be called a travesty and it's some somewhere in the middle really uh because yeah. a lot of terrible things have happened uh because of it because of the way uh you know this this event has been responded to by the authorities uh, and the the kind of things that have come out of it and so i think that you know, I, I should also add that uh, my book, *The Insurrectionist*, is not to- is not you know super topical in the sense that there's no talk of a virus, there's no talk of an you know of Trump or Biden, uh, there's no talk top- talk of uh, um, pandemics, there's no uh, uh, th- there's nothing that's like ripped from today's headlines, uh, but it is set in a future that a near future that is very much very recognizable based on where we've been heading uh over the last year year and a half so it's it's topical without being you know ultra top with without being so topical as to be like uh, it's,
0: it's it's topical and timeless basically like yeah someone I, someone in 10 years like you know when we're all living in capsule hotels and eating uh Nutripase dispensed uh from uh, from dead bugs, um, and, and we've illegally downloaded this onto uh, you know our jailbroken uh, Kindle devices. Um, it'll still be relevant and fresh and entertaining.
1: Yeah. Yes, indeed. That, that's that's definitely what I'm what I'm going for. And yeah,
0: it, um, hits that, uh, it
2: hits that sort of sci-fi mark of being you know about a. De- I mean, obviously, some sci-fi is much further in the future, but it's kind of the soylent green <laughs> type of sci-fi where it's.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: it's not so far in the future that you can't um, see the seeds of this speculative reality in the present.
1: Oh yeah. And I think that there, you know, there are a lot of influences on it. Like I think that, you know, <laughs> for better or for worse, they live has become this, this really cultural uh, touchstone. Uh, and, and I, I I'm a big fan of the movie. They live. I don't, I mean, I I think it's a cheesy cheesily made film, uh, but, but it, it's, it's, I think it's aware of being cheesy, but it also is, is an incredibly profound and, uh, uh, and really uh, incredibly um, insightful uh, m- uh, movie as just in, in ways that when I saw it, honestly, when I saw it in 1988, I thought, I, I actually saw it in the theaters in 1988 when it was released. And I at the time I thought, wow, that's that's really out that's really out there. This is really and I was entertained and I, I thought it was cool, uh, and all of that, but but it was much more so much more real, so much more reality uh was uh you know, was broadcast in that movie than I definitely I or many other people I think really suspected uh in the late eighties. Those of us who were old enough to to remember when it, when it was actually, when it was actually released. So, so yeah, I mean, you mentioned Soylent Green. Um, I mean, I think that, uh, that's, you know, movies like that, movies and books like that are definitely an influence. Um, you know, uh, the, uh, but they live and, uh, um, I'm trying to remember the, the, uh, Shoot, I can't remember the the name of it—the James Woods movie uh, with the uh, uh, Videodrome. Videodrome. That's also very much a, a you know, as far as like all these mo- like they live in Videodrome, they and other movies like it. They all have this wonderful aspect of like both presenting you with this horrific kind of uh, kind of reality um, uh, as far as what's what's actually going on out there. What you know, what the what our psychopathic rulers are are doing to us, but there's also this wonderful kind of catharsis that those movies give us, uh, where we see, you know, these, these powers defeated in some way, or at least a major blow being struck against them. Um, and I think that's a real, that's part of the appeal, uh, of, uh, of they live is is again the, the way that it ends uh, with uh, uh rowdy roddy piper's character you know sacrificing himself but also uh you know really striking this blow and making it so that the the enemy is now visible to to everyone and i think you know it's like i said earlier the masks are coming off and you know we're seeing the reality of who these people more i mean i i'm say i say we and i, I shouldn't overstate it because you know the they you know I, I don't I don't mean to sound more optimistic than I am but I think that to a large number of people it's becoming more and more uh, uh, you know we the, the reality is becoming the, the the terrible reality of who the enemy is uh, is becoming more um, uh, inescapable it's, to our it's transparent obvious. Yeah, yeah it's,
0: it's something that's basically it's basically impossible to ignore now, uh, with yeah. all these about faces on on, on everything. You know, I mean, just kind of going back to the whole premise of like an alien attack. You know, I read. There's been tons of stories that you know like, you've pointed them out to me, Andy. The one that always sticks in my mind, I think, it was back in December, that like uh, retired mil- Israeli military official says that uh, like claim that uh, uh, governments had already been in contact with aliens, like that. That just comes out of that just comes out of nowhere, and it's like, yeah, um, cool. Thanks for telling <laughs> us. Why are you telling us now? Cool story, um, bro. <laughs> and, who, and 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 who are these aliens? Uh, where are they from? I mean, it's you, you know. Then there's the declassification on UFO stuff. There was. Uh, did Did anyone ever get to the bottom of what was going on with those monoliths? You remember the story all these? same models were just appearing in all these different places across the globe they found one in california there was one in romania i oh
1: yeah i mean
0: my 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 cynical view is that was just some some kind of like you know arg marketing push for a movie or something but um i don't think there was a a a fit an official explanation for what was going on there
1: yeah no i i I'd, i'd forgotten about that story uh but i'm i'm vaguely remembering it now there's there's been there have been so many strange things um like that 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 are now being broadcast or being put out there being seeded into our you know our our consciousness in one way or another and a lot of it might just be for the purpose of you know what what matthew was saying this you know just uh, like let's how will they react to this how will they respond to this are they ready for this yet what, calibrating people calibrating like not only not only calibrating the people who are you know who are who, who will you know be good citizens and just do what they're told but also maybe more importantly calibrating the dissidents like saying okay these these people uh are quote-unquote red billed. i don't you know like the uh familiar terminology but but just for our purposes mm-hmm. you know they're they're reacting this way or they're reacting that way. Or some people are reacting to the alien stuff and saying, you know, finally, you know, we're getting disclosure on this stuff and others are reacting to it and saying, uh, no, this doesn't, you know, I may, maybe I think aliens are real. Maybe I don't, but uh, I don't really buy this, what they're, what they're selling to us right now, but they're really, You know, just like they were doing with the virus stuff, and with the uh, the election stuff, and with all the all the um, you know all of the the stuff about uh, the the events of January sixth. All you know, all of this sort of uh, fear porn that they were saying, like, oh, these these uh, racist, sexist, misogynistic, uh, homophobic uh, Trump supporters are threatening to take over the country, We've got to do something about it, you know, and uh,
0: have you not, Andy, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Have yeah. you noticed that the government has basically brought back the same tactic that the Bush administration was doing like about 20 years ago, you know, like uh, when the Bush administration was constantly issuing like, Oh, there's a heightened risk of uh terrorist activity. Uh, yeah. Congress, they're, they're doing the same thing now, but with domestic enemies.
1: Yes, that's right. The, the, uh, the, um, Trump supporters or or whatever, however they, they render them the, you know, the white suprem, the quote unquote white supremacists, the, um, whatever the anti-government people, the conspiracy theorists, all the, you know, all of the, uh, the, the dishonest, disingenuous ways that they choose to label, uh, you know, the dissidents, uh, within, you know, within the West, within the United States and elsewhere, yeah, we're we're like the new uh, osama bin Laden we're the new uh we're the new uh you know radical islamists um
0: yeah they yeah. They've, and they've thrown out some really ridiculous uh, examples like there was the one was it last month uh someone said that uh, oh yeah with uh you know we we, we may see a heightened domestic terrorist activity now that uh uh people are free to not wear a mask it's like yeah, because that's exactly what uh, domestic terrorists and other criminals hate, right? A piece of cloth that obscures their, their identity. <laughs>
1: it's, been so, it's been so topsy-turvy and so, so crazy. Um, you know, with the mask stuff, it's hard not to see all, all of that in, in a kind of esoteric way, uh, you know, as, as – uh, since we know that um, I mean if you if you've got a brain in your head, you know that these masks don't really change anything. they don't you know even if if you believe in the virus, they don't stop the virus from from uh, uh, you know being from being passed from one person to another. and if they you know even if we b- believe that the virus is is true and real, then why wasn't there this kind of I mean this is the question I was asking ever since March of twenty twenty. You know, why was there not this kind of response to the swine flu? Why was there not this kind of response to SARS? They, they didn't, you know, those were acknowledged, uh, quote, quote, unquote, global pandemics back in, you know, the late aughts and the early uh, you know, teens. But they didn't shut down the world and, and uh, say that everything had to and say, oh, well, now we're imposing that this is the new normal. And, uh, you know, everything's changed. Everything's different. Um, yeah. you know, you 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 put two and two together, and it just never it didn't it never made sense. It never added up. Uh, yeah,
2: the, the new doctor, normal is I, definitely a a buzzword you use a lot in in the novel. And, yes, I mean, my position on some of this, I may be more agnostic about it, or my position may not be as strong. But uh, certainly, I think it, it, it's 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 no great conspiracy conspiracy theory to say that the the media and the government and the alphabet organizations and whatever, h- however those things are united, right? They're, they're used to controlling the narrative entirely. And that's been slipping uh, steadily, especially since 2016. And I think that you could look at the, you know, pretty much everything since 2016, but especially 2020 as this attempt to sort of recalibrate <laughs> and see, uh, you know, and regain control yeah. of the narrative. and. Uh, I wrote a blurb for your novel for Matt, um, you know, to put on it, and and what it's I it's actually uh, going to be on the it's
0: actually going to be on the back cover. So to oh,
2: great. Um, sure. What really stood out to me in the novel is kind of the way you reflect on um, the language used to craft the narrative, so to speak, uh, with talk about the new normal uh, yeah. and uh, the prime minister figure in the novel. What's her name? Something Smutsog or something?
1: Yeah, Smutsagyu. Smut. Yes. <laughs> Gresham, yes. name, Dr. Me. Gresham Smuts Agu is the new uh, Prime Minister of the world. <laughs> That's, I'm, yeah, I'm, w-
0: what a great name! You hear that name, and you, all of a sudden you hear, you hear you hear a shrill white woman asking to speak to your manager. Absolutely, <laughs> vibe. I'll actually ask in
2: a second where if you have an inspiration for that specific hyphenated last name. But uh, yeah, just to finish the thought, just in her speech especially. Um, you know, I heard something which you obviously garnered from real life, which yeah. is this language that sort of engenders uh, it, it engenders inaction and surrender and acceptance and ultimately despair. Yeah, um, and that really
1: came through. Well, thanks. Yeah, in the book, without giving too much away, you know, we've got this this alien invasion, but it's coupled with this this rhetoric that's being promoted from on high, which is basically to say you know, we, we just, you just have to sit back and, and take it. And, uh, you know, this is, this is the new normal and we have to just understand the overlords and, uh, and sort of this, this whole, you know, it, it became the, it was like, it's like this, uh, rhetoric of demoralization. It became clear to me in 2020, you know, based on, and I, I wasn't, you know, I, I don't have my ear to the wall. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a news junkie by any stretch. I try to avoid, you know, the, 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 the current news and, you know, uh, I've, I've, I've tried to stay out of it forever, but I couldn't. Um, and it just became clear to me there, there was like, I think the point of, you know, like canceling all of these events, canceling, uh, you know, making it so that you couldn't go anywhere, making it so that, uh, you had to lose, you lose your job and just sit at home and just be, you'd be uh, you be, you don't know, and just, and you,
0: just satisfy yourself with Netflix and
1: master. Yeah, and you couldn't you couldn't see your friends and you couldn't you know accept you know other than virtually and, and they're like they were passing this whole and and the, and the the strange thing is, you know, I was hearing this stuff about oh well you just people are just aren't even leaving their houses, I I, I never believed that was was actually happening i mean i i I had left my house as much as as any uh, you know any other time but they were promoting this idea of you know which i think at the at, at its bottom was just demoralization uh that you had to just feel demoralized you had to feel defeated you had to feel like um you know this was never going to end this was just the new normal and you were just at the, you were at the will, You, you were your uh, fate was going to be determined by forces beyond your control. And that was just it. That, that, that was what, that was the message that was being broadcast. Uh, yeah. Especially, you know, in the early months of, uh, uh, of the opera, what I call the, the, the virus op. Um, and, um, you know, that, that's what, that's, Part of what I have, uh, you know, the the message that's being broadcast by the powers that be, by the the globalist uh, stooges who have taken over uh, in my dystopic world, um, it's the same. You know, it, there's no reference to to the virus. There's no reference to, uh, you know, the like the the twenty twenty the extreme twenty twenty kind of stuff, uh, or the election or or anything like that. But there is still this 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 sort of. Uh, you know, just rhetoric that's meant to engender uh, demoralization and uh, a feeling of helplessness, you know, uh, uh, demoralization surrender. Demoralization
0: and, and confusion, which is something you actually, yeah. you know,
1: thematically go over in the
0: novel. That the goal yeah. of a lot of these um, operations um, it's just to leave people in a state of panic and confusion because you don't know what's going to happen next. It's like yes. oh, alien invasion. You know, I mean, what's going on now with like the constantly changing patchwork of, of regulations involving uh, involving the virus. You know, first it's masks, and it's like you can take the mask off, and it's like oh, you, you can get the vaccine, and you can go to all, all these bases and do these things. But oh wait, yep. the vaccine doesn't protect you against being reinfected, so you still have to wear your mask. Stuff like that. You know. Yeah. Um, you, you know, curfews and. You know, new lockdowns. And by right. the way, uh, do you know where the term lockdown comes from? It comes from prisons. Right, a lockdown is what they do when the prisoners riot. They they put the prison under a lockdown to keep the pr- the prisoners from acting out.
1: Exactly, it's prison terminology. I mean, it's. I mean, you you want to talk? I mean, do we live on a prison planet? Well, I mean, that's that's when you hear the term lockdown. That's low key telling you that uh, they, that we're living on a prison planet, at least, you know, that's what our rulers want us to, how, how they want us to feel. Um, And yeah. So in the book, the, the ruler, Matthew asked the question, how I came up, how I got the name (laughs) of a Dr. Gretchen um, Smuts uh, Ague. Um, You know, I think, I was just trying to think of some, of course it would have to be, you know, in this, in this inverted world, you know, we'd have to be ruled by a woman uh, and just some globalist bitch, you know, (laughs) like a Hillary Clinton slash um, uh, Angela Merkel uh, type of figure. uh, But, but, you know, I, I guess that the, the, I, I don't know, you know, I, I really, ha- I have problems with na- names in my, uh, in my fiction because I don't want to just name, I don't, I don't want to just have people named things that just sound like, uh, well, you know, his name. So, or her name. So what I want the names to have some, yeah. If I, mean- named, I want the names to have some kind of weight to them. I want them to be resonant. Um, not necessarily that they, you know mean something You know like like just in some You know two plus two equals four Kind of way but I want them to be To have some resonance um, It just
2: can't be random I know exactly what you mean And yeah. like, When I write to like It's not like I need to have some special name for everyone But like there's got to be something Right it's like, yeah, right. It's like a
0: Charles like, Dickens with name characters yeah. like Mr. Bumble And whatnot
1: yeah Charles Dickens Was great with with names I mean He, he had some really outrageous Crazy sort of names um but but yeah, he was he was really good at at coming up with names that, that really uh, you know conveyed something about the characters. And interestingly enough, I I, th- I would say the same about George Lucas. I think that in the Star Wars universe, you have you know really great. Every character is named in a way that that you know doesn't it's, it doesn't seem corny, but it, it's it, it's like they communicate something. You know when you when you meet Luke Skywalker, you you. Oh, this guy's, this character's name is Luke Skywalker. You get that. Oh, well he's got, uh, what, what kind of a, what kind of a person is a Skywalker? You know, um, it, it, it's, it's evocative. It puts ideas in your, in your mind. Um, and, uh,
2: Jack London was good at that too. If you've ever read the iron heel, the, uh, hero there is called Ernest Everhard, but, uh, that's what to decide anyway.
1: Yeah, no. And, and uh, yeah, there, there are certain authors that are really good at it. And I just like, like for some, I, I, I uh, don't like to, I, I like to have characters uh, if, if I can't think of an evocative name for them, I'd just rather them go unnamed uh, which can be a, I guess, I guess can be a problem sometimes, you know, maybe I go a little, a little too far in that direction, but, um, but the names of the characters that, that, you know, the characters that actually have names in uh, in the insurrectionist are the, the hero uh, is is named Alexander pastiche. And I, I only, you know, care, you know, that, that was a name I only, you know, came across. Like I, I thought this guy, well, this guy's got to have a name. We've got to call him something. he can't just be unnamed. He's uh, and so, so that, that name eventually suggested itself to me. And then the, also the, the villain of the story um, also had to have a name uh, 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 and, and that eventually suggested itself to me, you know, with uh, Gretchen, Gretchen Smuts, Ague. I just thought that everything there, the, the Gretchen was sort of suggested by the, the esteemed mayor of Michigan, who's one of the many villains of the, of 2020. Um Uh, Gretchen Whitmer Um, and I also just thought the the hyphenation had to be there Um, and uh, ague is is you know something that's suggestive of fever uh, you know of being not well Uh, and so there there was this kind of insidiousness to to it uh, uh, that 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 kind of suggested itself and also the the uh, the the sort of uh, love interest of the story, uh, the, the the girl who who puts who meets our hero and puts him takes him from this desperate state and puts him back on track. Uh, her name is Brittany. Uh, we never learn her last name, but it's sort of a suge- suggestive or evocative in its own way. Um, so yeah, I didn't I didn't know we'd get detoured into talking about names, but it's definitely uh, I I'm i'm proud of i'm proud in particular of the the villain's name uh in in the story and uh the villain i'm not not to give anything away but the villains the the fate that the villain meets uh at the end of the story is also something it's it's a cathartic moment that i'm uh i'm happy about i'm i'm, I'm I, I like the way that it, it turned out uh so uh so yeah,
2: certainly. Yeah. No, well, I mean, the it name, is an important aspect. I think we just got on that just cause it it's, it's certainly evocative. I <laughs> mean,
0: well, I mean, yes. it is, well, I mean it, these things are important, you know I mean? There is power in a name as well as power in not having a name, you know, It's an artistic decision to give characters names or not like how in under the Nihil, the main character doesn't have a name at all that we, you know, yes. it, it's not, it's not mentioned in the text. And, uh, and just to give a quick plug to a friend of mine, uh, Calvin Westra, he's the author of *Family Annihilator*. Go buy it from Expat Press. Um, he, that novel, which is really good, by the way, only has seven named characters, uh, which was intentional on the basis of uh, keeping the story very tight and focused around these very specific characters. Didn't you know? Avoiding avoiding the blow. So the name th- the name thing, you know, may seem far away, but it's uh, actually a very important part of uh, putting uh, putting together a compelling story.
1: Yeah, it, it is. It's a, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's something that kind of vexes me. I don't think I'm that, I'm that creative when it comes to names. Um, you know, when I think of somebody's name, I just kind of think, oh, well, John Smith or <laughs> uh, whatever, uh, Ben Jones, or you just, just something, you know, sort of common sounding. And then, so, you know, to have a character, you know, you kind of have to come up with a, uh, um again a name that that suits the character and is evocative uh and you know uh with the columbine pilgrim you know just to talk about my own characters again uh tony meander was really suggested to me because i actually knew somebody in elementary school named tony manders who uh who shared uh, certain characteristics of the of the main character um in that he had a problem with uh, his his bladder uh he's still he like he would uh he would urinate this was this was a guy that I actually knew he was a character uh who would uh pee on himself like in third grade fourth grade uh and uh the,
0: the clinical so, term for that is inuresis. but uh, I had, oh. to, I had, to, I had to throw that in
1: yeah, just like uh he it would happen to him at school and it was really kind of sad that he, he would get made fun of for it and it was a it was a sad kind of thing although at the time you know I, I i uh as a kid i just sort of thought man i'm sure glad i'm not that kid you know i didn't really have the that kind of empathy for for him that i look back on now and think think about so but anyway he his name was very suggestive his name was you know i knew him and his name was tony manders and then i thought well, why don't I just take that name and just, you know, make it, you know, like retouch it a little. And that was what led to Tony meander being uh, the, the sort of uh, anti-hero, <laughs> definitely, definitely not the hero, but, but, uh, but the main character, the, the, um, the protagonist of the, the Columbine pilgrim. So, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, to kind of to kind of move uh to
0: kind of move forward a bit one question i did want to ask you andy is that given you know the gap between uh the insurrectionist and uh you know your writing and publication of the other major fiction works that you that you've done um how do you think your perspective your 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 writing your style etc has kind of changed in that in that uh, seven year gap because uh, uh, this is something I should probably apo- uh, I'll apologize for 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 you to you for now if i haven't yeah. already but i remember um, i think it was in a review of this malignant Mirage or something where I kind of criticized you for you re- you wrote a lot of uh works that kind of revolved around the same subject such as uh you know therapists having sex with their male clients and whatnot uh but at the time I didn't know you mentioned this uh i forget where you mentioned it that uh your output in that period was like you were, I believe the phrasing you used was that you like you were, it's like you were possessed by a muse and you just had to get all of this out, um, you know, which I didn't know. Yeah. So, I mean, which, which, which makes a lot more sense, you know, you, you, you yeah. put out a, a large number of, uh, short story collections and novellas in the span of about a three, four year period. Um, but you've taken a break from writing, uh, you know, fiction, uh, up until relatively recently how do you think your your perspective uh your, how do you think things have kind of changed in terms of how you approach fiction how you you know your topic matters mm-hmm. obviously significantly different though you people who read uh, the instructions will recognize some of the themes you've gone over in previous works
1: yeah that that's a good question um and uh you know i i don't want to I, I don't want to be uh I don't want to engage in self-examination in a, in a boring kind of way, or in a way that 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 that's that's too uh, I don't know self-promoting or self-focused or whatever. But I, I would say, um, I would say that like in between the like I was I was incredible. There was a time a period of time that was it was from about 2010 until about 20 roughly 2013 and maybe into 2014. Uh, uh, just a just a touch. So there was a period of time there where I was really writing up a storm. You know, I really felt inspired, uh, and that was why why I wrote the kind of fiction that I did back then was it was uh yeah it was it was um uh inspired by a muse of one kind or another. I make reference to muses. Sometimes muses can be people. Sometimes muses can be uh events or phenomena or like i think for a time columbine was definitely a muse um and i had you know i was um when i wrote the columbine pilgrim during that period of time i i was i was in contact with other people who were fascinated by the event and uh you know kept in touch with people on a message board who were who were into columbine who had who had uh Interest an interest in Columbine, and I think you know there's always a like a spectrum of uh, you know of people who like people who are fascinated and uh, people who are obsessed and people who you know maybe you know see themselves in the event in some way or other you know and and see them picture you know you know there there's a, like like there's a, a certain unhealthy there can be an unhealthy fascination with, with events like Columbine. Um, and, uh, you know, and that, that became part of the story, you know, that it was about this character who was obsessed and who, who, uh, you know, it led him, uh, down a very dark road. Um, but I, I had other muses during that period and, and it was a time of real, uh, uh, it, it was, uh, uh, a time of real flowering uh creativity for me. Um and uh you know I I'd, I'd be interested to know with uh, you know with Matthew uh, with he was just published his new his first fiction. Uh maybe I'll turn that around on Matthew in a second after I finished answering it myself because I'm interested to know.
2: Oh, I I appreciate the question. It's actually an <laughs> interesting synchronicity here.
1: Yeah, to turn the spotlight away from myself just because I I'm I'm I sometimes shy away from the spotlight I always I'm not that comfortable talking about myself that much but I I guess that you know just to finish answering your question it was like something about the events of 2020 just I forced a kind of response in me and it's funny because I have a a friend who's a, a musician a very you know somebody I think is one of the most creative people I know extremely talented person um um and uh he he uh actually ended up writing a an album an e p uh the 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 name of the band is the shut ups and uh and he he wrote something uh called i i was made for these times which was uh sort of a reversal of the you know the beach boys song i just wasn't made for these times sure. uh and it it was it it was his response to twenty twenty in a in an ironic kind of way um so uh, I think there's maybe something about response to extreme events, response to stress, response to trauma that just demands some kind of artistic uh, you know if you're if you're someone who who fancies himself to be artistically minded, there you know it kind of uh, demands uh, some kind of retaliation. Like I said, if you if you're not gonna, if you're not going to fight back through your art, you're going to maybe, <laughs> you may be going to fight back in some other way, um, which, which might, you know, land you in jail. So you don't, you know <laughs> you don't want to, you want to, you, you want to fight back in a way that's positive. You want to fight back in a way that's, that's, uh, that's inspirational that, that uh, you, that, that hopefully will, uh, you know, help others to see out, to see that they're not alone Um, I think that's one of the, one of the best uh, things that I feel like, you know, if, if, you know, in my, my time as a writer, if I, if I can help people out there, see that they're not alone and, and, you know, be able to, to, uh, to relate in some way to what I'm presenting. um, And that's a really great thing. And I think what, 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 uh, what inspired the insurrectionist. Was was just a, a response to all of the rage and all of the, the trauma and all of the you know everything that I was feeling that I've been feeling about what's been going on in the world, all of the anger that I felt uh, about it. And I think what made me want to give it the name, the Insurrectionist, was just the uh, the way that's that so many people, uh, you know, the the ridiculous way that so many people re- people responded to the events of January sixth. By saying, oh, these 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 capital marchers, just they're just a bunch of insurrectionists, and it's like, you know, the kind of people who who are who are using insurrection uh, and rebellion as if it were a bad thing, whereas, you know, over the, <laughs> you know, they were the same kind of people who were saying, you know, become ungovernable, you know, after Trump got elected, and there's so much just rank hypocrisy, uh, I just sort of thought, well, okay, I'll take. The, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take the title of insurrectionist. I'll make the story about uh, somebody who is an insurrectionist, but who is an in- insurrectionist for good against evil. So, um, so I guess that's my answer to, to, hmm. to your question. But, but Matthew, what is your, what would your, what's your take on it?
2: Uh, my take on uh, you, you were asking like um, in terms of like inspiration for writing and yeah. how that changed over time. Yeah, well, uh, this is neither here nor there, but the the synchronicity, I guess, is that I actually started. and Now, I'm I i do not I think I talked about this when I was on last month. I'm not necessarily proud of this because my book is only 150 pages long or so. But I, I was working on it on and off for seven years, and actually those years were the beginning of 2014 uh, to you know now having yeah. published. So that for whatever I don't know, there's probably no greater meaning to this. But I I was writing my first novel that whole uh, period. I guess between um, uh, the Mirage book from 2014 and uh, this, and yeah, no. In in those seven years, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting that you put this in terms of muses. Uh, You know, I'm not an ancient Greek, but I, I feel I know something of muses. I feel like every artist. Has that every author, you know, has their muse, whether they put it in those terms or not. And um, one of the things I remember a writing, professor, there's a, I think I said the same quote in the last episode I was on as well. But one, uh, one, one thing that I, uh, one useful thing I learned from one of my college writing professors was that every, every work of every good work of fiction um, is in some way or another about obsession. And I tend to think there's at least some truth to that. Maybe there's exceptions, but I think that in my own uh, in my own experience, uh, that it, it is is it, you become obsessed with something, whether in a really negative sense, if it's an anxiety, or a positive sense, if it's something beautiful, or somewhere yeah. in between, if it's just an eccentric sort of fixation, like like with columbine, um, which no shame there. I mean, I I have I have my own share of crimes that I'm obsessed with. I guess my generation right. is a little. Elliot Roger, <laughs> and <a laughs> yeah. by, um, Charles Manson as well. You know, we, we all have our things, right? But yeah, um, yeah it, it really is all about those muses that move you. Uh, and when I was writing my book, um, it, there was kind of two stages to it. I, I would say that initially I, I was – I had all sorts of young man's anxieties <laughs> in college and, and, uh, and also – my own sort of political reaction to the early stages of um, of the sort of woke culture, or SJW, yeah. overused term, but you, know, you guys know what I mean. Yes. That was kind of the original place of inspiration um, were those muses. And then I sort of stepped away from the book for a few years, and then I got more interested in the online sphere um, through Robert Stark's podcast, mostly as I've talked about, but really the entire dissident online sphere. And I would say the sphere itself sort of became the muse and what kind of tipped me over the edge to finish my book. So there's kind of two mm-hmm. stages of it. and right now having finished Dragon Dan published it and I'm kind of just been working on essays more recently, but I'm sort of waiting for that next muse because I do want to write another yeah. novel or at least get some good short stories out there. And uh, I'm kind of in an in-between phase right now, but basically yeah. my take on it um, is that I agree. It's all about, you know, w- what, what, what do you decide to write what do you decide to publish what, what how does your voice as a writer influence? what changes that it's all about muses it's all about these things which are somewhat external to you but which obsess you in some way
1: yes absolutely um i've never i've i mean you know it might be different if i if i were ever in a situation where somebody said i'll give you Sorry. How? Uh, FBI. <laughs> it was a call. If I were ever in a situation where somebody said, uh, "I'll give you twenty-five thousand dollars to write a book about X," then I might find myself in a situation where I'm not inspired, but uh, but um, but I uh, but I will. But yeah, for twenty-five, you're going to pay me to do it. Yeah, I'll do it. But I've never been in that situation, so. <laughs> Anytime, so, uh, anytime I have uh, ever written anything, um, it's uh, it's been because I've been inspired to do it. Um, so, you know, and, and hopefully I, with the with the uh, hope that after I finish writing it, that I will find someone to publish it, and that after it gets published, it will be a huge success. Uh, and bring me untold, you know, fame and fortune, which hasn't happened yet. But, but, um, but I think that absent, uh, you know, some kind of mercenary, uh, motivation, uh, you, you kind of have to be inspired. Otherwise, there's nothing, you know, why, why do it? You know, and so, so I, I find the same thing to be really the case.
2: Do you ever, um, do you ever find that there's like, maybe this is a dumb way of putting it, but do you ever find that there's almost like an exorcism-esque level to it where it's like, obviously there's a positive end to the, the inspiration, but then like there's also an element of it which, obsess, which, obsesses, which obsesses you. And then when you write it, it's like out of your system, relate to it all.
0: Uh, Andy, are you there? Could be having issues. Uh man. Well, um, yeah, but, uh. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like Andy's having audio issues. Um, but yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna make the joke that, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I years ago, I joked that your writing is kind of like, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like, it's kind of like orgasming, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's like. You you shoot it out, you get it out there, and
1: then you can just kind of
0: uh, kind of
1: relax. Yeah, back. Yeah, we I'm sorry. I had some. I've had somebody calling me, and I've had somebody trying to text me, so I, I don't know if that disrupted things. But um, I definitely think there's it's it's a pro, it's some kind of process that it can be anal- It can be you called you, you know analogous It can be analogously used to describe things like what Matt was just describing. Uh, It can be, you know uh, it's, there's definitely uh, a feeling of needing to uh, I mean, I I've I've had times where it was so urgent that I get finished with it. Like when I was writing the Columbine Pilgrim, I've said this before, I felt like I had to finish. I, I felt like it would be just tragic if I were to die before finishing writing this work. Now, when I wrote it, I was in good health as far as I knew. And I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have any real, any real reason to think I was going to die. But I I remember feeling that way. I remember feeling, I've got to finish this. I've got to finish this. And so, yeah, there's definitely, uh, sometimes it's more urgent. Sometimes it, 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 you know, it takes a little longer. Uh, but, uh, Absolutely.
2: Like, I mean, and that, that's such a gift. Like, I, it's the only way I know how to describe it is like a gift from, you know, from God or yeah. the universe, however you want. I'll say God because this is a a good, uh, wholesome show. Um, yeah. And it's this gift of uh, just feeling that you need to say something, you need to express something. And um, it, it's not that I actually thought that anyone... Well, obviously, I do hope to get as wide a readership as I can, and I hope to earn as much money as possible. No, no doubt about that. But it, right. it really when you're in that mindset about writing, I think that this isn't just some like artistic integrity, virtue signaling. I think that for me, at least, and I imagine for you and for a lot of other people that I've talked to, like you really, it's really not about, you know, how many people read it. You hope that people will be able to tap into the wavelength that kind of you have been bestowed in yes. order to, 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 to create something from nothing. You, you yes. hope that's something you can share with people, but at the same time, it's like, it's your mission. You feel like you know you're on a on a mission to get this out there. Um, it's like, how often in the modern world where we're so bereft of purpose most of the time, do we actually have to feel that? And um, I'm so glad that I have felt it with artistic endeavors.
1: Yes, absolutely. And uh, I'll just I'll just say to close close out. Uh, I guess I guess we're kind of winding down right now. But just to close out, I mean i I do think. I, I do get the feeling that this, this work, the insurrectionist has, you know, has a chance to reach a, a, a wide number of people. And I'm go- going to do whatever I can to, to see that people just hear about it. Um, just because there is such, there is such a large degree of discontent with the way things are right now. There's such a, and, and, uh, I really think it speaks to this discontent in a sort of broad, uh, uh, you know, a, a kind of large tent kind of way. Like you can, you can be anything from, uh, you know, a, a, uh, you know, an, an ardent, uh, I don't know, white nationalist or something who wants to overthrow the system to just, uh, like, a or to, I don't know, a QAnon person. I, I was never, I never really believed in QAnon, but, but, uh, I be, you know, I think they're I definitely think, uh, that the, 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 uh, people in power commit atrocious crimes. I just didn't think QAnon was, was for real, but, um, but to people who believe in that, to Trump supporters, to, to just, I mean, even to people who are classical liberals or or just people who, uh, who, who see tyranny for what it is and see what, you know, who, who might even call themselves leftist or, or on the left, but see, the, the the uh what's happening what's been happening right now the the kind of uh neoliberal fascist takeover that's been going on uh over the last couple of years see it for what it is i think i i hope anyway that there's a and, and i don't not to not to sound self-serving but i i i think that a lot of people will i think it has a chance to reach a lot of people if i you know if if it uh if that's what uh you know, is, is in the cards. And uh, that's what I'm going to try to, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to try to uh, see to it that a lot of people hear about it.
0: Yep. Yep. Sing it from the rooftop, spam it on social media. I'm going to go out and print out flyers and hand them out to people on the street, telling them about this great book, the Insurrectionist, and why they should go check it out. And they're going to look at the flyer and then look at me and they'll say sadly, lo siento,
1: no appa. <laughs> <Anyway>. Cause <laughs> that's right. Cause of where you live. That's, that's true. <laughs>
0: Maybe, yes. But
1: in Spanish. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe there'd be more takers. Who knows?
0: That will be happening at some point. Terror House books in foreign languages. Uh, we're going to, we're, we're <laughs> conquering the English-speaking market, and then we're going to bring great literature to all the people who don't speak English, and there's <laughs> a lot of them, as I have found out.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: But yes, um, I think I think this is a good point. That actually, before we go, um, there is someone in the chat who had a question. Speaking of which. Um, and if anyone has any last-minute questions for uh, Andy, Matthew, or myself, streamlabs.com slash magazine. We don't have any right now, um, but I'll give you a chance to get, get them in now if uh, if you have them. Uh...
1: Hello?
2: Hey, my thing cut out for saying What was that?
1: yeah i i can hear you but i can't hear
2: that cut out yeah we'll give him a second Uh, I guess the technical issues always beguile these things. Yeah, it happens. Oh, now he's gone entirely.
1: (laughs) No, but but we're still here. That's strange.
2: Yeah, that is actually strange. Uh, We'll see for how long. Um, I assume we'll come back in, but we can keep the chat going in the meantime, I guess, if you want. I definitely enjoyed the insurrectionist. Oh man, my internet. (laughs) I was about to head out myself. Um,
0: uh, well,
2: okay, good. Uh, well, uh, we'll
0: we'll wrap it up quickly. My internet went out, so sorry, guys. But it looks like the stream is still on, so that's a good thing. Yeah, I don't know how
2: I had an opportunity there to just uh, go off on a monologue, Uh, I didn't take it up. Oh well,
0: yeah, but anyway, um. The Insurrectionist will be out next Friday, uh, July 2nd, um, 4th of July weekend. Uh, yes. Insurrection weekend. That's that right. That is for metaphorical. An, inter- an insurrection of the mind. Okay, dude. To <laughs> Fully <totally laughs> respect YouTube terms of service here. Um, it will be over from Terror House Press, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all, all other kinds of places.
1: Uh, Andy, is there anything else you want to plug quickly before we go? No, I uh, did. Did I miss? Was there some question that you had for me that? that oh I
0: right, yeah, we should probably answer that quickly. That's where I got cut off. Uh, this is from Maroon below in the chat. Uh, wondering if Andy thinks the Ron Jeremy Hyatt indictments are a possible politicized response to the Ed Buck indictment, which Trump seems to have overseen directly. Probably not related to the topic, but they both have connections. It seems. It seems, but it's through association with Roy Cohen, Process Church. Roy Cohen was connected to Jeremy via the mob and Holmes. Uh, the 80s porn star was a regular companion of Roy Cohen. Before the Wonderland Avenue murders, it's a Laurel Canyon connection. I will know Mr. Nowicki seems interested in it. So that was his uh, comment/ slash question.
2: It's quite a rabbit hole, <laughs> but interesting.
0: Uh, are you there, Andy? I think he's got think the
2: powers that be are going to let him answer that one. Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, well, I, I want to point out something here as well. Um, I tried to tether my phone when my internet connection stopped working, but then my phone connection stopped working at the exact same time, which is kind of uh, kind of odd. Um, I think we should just end it here uh, with all these yeah. technical But yeah. Um, The instructions, like I said, will be out on Friday. You can also, in the meantime, you can avail yourself of uh, Andy's other books at Terror House Press. Uh, You can also visit his website, altrightnovelist.com. His blog, the link is in the description. His YouTube channel, um, his Instagram, all of that is there. Um, uh, Matthew, is there anything you want to plug?
2: Well, I want to plug my book, Dragon Day, of course, um, which is available now from terrorhousepress.com. Um, It's a great book. You can get a physical copy, get a Kindle copy, whatever strikes your fancy. Um, And I'm going to be doing more uh, publicity for that book coming up. So
0: follow me on Twitter as well, mpeg696 at Twitter. Yes, uh, I also have a link to your sub-stack. And also he is – Matthew co-hosts the the Stark Truth of Robert Stark. Uh, Go check that out as well. And, of course, you can – you can find my works at, uh, you know, uh, everything I do at mattforney.com. But anyway, that'll do it for this episode of Terror House Radio. You can uh, check in every day at Terror House Magazine, terrorhousemag.com, New poems, short stories, uh, content every day. Our books, Terror House Press at terrorhousepress.com. Uh, social media linked in the description. And, of course, you can always Find the latest episode of Terra House Radio by going to TerraHouseRadio.com. Terror House Radio is produced by Bryden Proctor and presented by Katya Deg. Into music by Zero Pulse. In- Illegitimate on cover rundum. Don't the bastards grind you down. I'm Matt Forney with Matthew Pegas and Andy Nowicki. And we are out.